Their goal is to bring you a podcast that sounds more like everyone else than anyone else. We need to accept the fact that we are like every other podcast. We want to be special, but we're not quite there yet. It's the Xenial Odyssey podcast with Remy and Bobby Rocks. Bobby, how's it going? Oh, it's going pretty well. What's up with you? Uh, you know, man, just um, hanging out, kind of being punk, I guess. You see me right now. I'm in my denim mm-hmm. vest. Well, I was going to say, I mean, you, I mean, if anything, I mean, you're you're very punk-ish and I'm very punky Brewster-ish right now. So Can we talk about that? <laughs> nice. I like that. Can we talk about something crazy, though, for a second, bro? Okay, go. Check this out. There is no product in this mohawk. There is no product no, in that mohawk? Watch. How fucking nuts is that that it, it, now it just... Like, how big would you say my mohawk is? Now, keep in mind, to people to people listening... Four inches? Four and a half inches? Yeah, it's not a faux hawk. It's not one of them shitty, stupid boy band things. It's a fucking mohawk. It's proper. It's a mohawk. But yeah, I had to take the headphones off to show you. I don't know how it does that, but it just stands up. Some girl asked me at the store the other day. She's like, you don't have product in that? And then she, like, touched my hair, and I'm thinking, lady, if the tables were turned, you'd mace me. You can't just touch people. So what are we going to talk about today? The reason I started with the hair was because we are going to kind of talk about punk. And we're we're not just going to talk about punk music. We're going to talk about the ideals of punk, about how punk affects. I mean, Bob's got some great points about how punk affects what we're doing right the fuck now. Maybe some moments we saw of actual punk shit growing up. Yeah. So what we're going to do is uh, I'm going to lay the foundation here. And the foundation is that when you hear people talk about punk, the first thing they would probably say is punk music. And what I want to... The, the difference I want to draw here is that punk is beyond music. Punk is art. Punk is life. Punk is, a, punk is and was a movement. And in my opinion, what we're doing right now is the contemporary form of punk. Yeah, I mean, it's you know, Bob pitched this to me and I'm like, all right, give me a little more. And yeah, think about what a podcast is first. Now, we're not saying us. We're saying the, the genre like, we're not saying we're cutting-edge punks. I mean, we are, but we're also old guys. Well, I'm going to disagree with you and say that we are, because one of the big ethos of punk is the DIY. Yeah, Do- pirate radio. Doing it yourself. I mean, that's literally what we're doing here. We're literally in a dining room, and we're using our own equipment. Yeah, no help, no financial we're, help. Yeah, no financial help. We're editing it ourselves. We're yeah. paying. We're, I'm the one who pays for the, the royalty-free music, which goes to independent artists. So that's me kind of supporting an independent community and not a conglomerate. And then on top of that, I pay for the um, the platform. And that, I don't pay, which shows you how punk I am. Because no. he's punked me. No. <laughs> I'm fucking poor, <laughs> not punk. No, but what's interesting, Bob... Is that's a really good point is everything about this right now is the equivalent of having a garage show and inviting your neighbors an hour before you do it. Yeah, absolutely. And then add to that the fact that what was the punk idea when it came to songwriting, whatever the fuck they wanted. And I think that's kind of how we've approached a lot of these episodes is what the fuck do we want to talk about? Well, I mean, I brought it up a few times. I'll bring it up again that you you were the one who said we were going to use the first 50 episodes to fuck around and find out kind of where our, our rhythm is. And related to that, we were going to use the data that we got from the domain, which is literally how many of you are downloading the most episodes and use that 
for like season three. Yeah, like, oh, this is what they like. Yeah, this is what the audience wants and this is what the audience shall receive. Yeah. But beyond that, I mean, these first 50 episodes is literally, it's about, it's like the Wild West. Yeah. And I mean that in a good way. Like, it's it's wonderful. I, and I view the podcast platform as a little Wild Westy. Yeah, it like, is. Like, there's, there's really, it's, it's, a, it's a platform that to varying degrees, you know, corporations haven't gotten to, total control of. Now, granted, there are times where even uh, episodes we do can get into that conglomerateness like for example one thing that i think apple Podcasts talks about is they they won't air episodes that talk about recreational drugs that's i mean that's them and we're gonna put that to the test yeah we're gonna put that to the test when they when they go out there but into the from the domain and they go out there to apple Podcasts if they put it out there or not but what i mean is we have complete freedom here we have complete artistic freedom. We have complete freedom of the equipment. We don't answer to anybody but ourselves. Yeah. And that to me is what punk is about. And from that, whatever your whatever your muse is, I feel this creates for us, gives us an opportunity to create something that's revolutionary. And I and I feel like when I was a teenager, yeah, I wanted to be like a you know, a, a musician, be in bands, and I wanted to experience that, you know, zeitgeist spirit of the time. Yeah. The movement. I wanted to be a part of that musical movement, but we are of that age where that that ship sailed. So let me ask you, um, personally speaking, what was your first experience with punk, just in general? Well, my first experience with punk was music. It was it was with just music, and I mean, some of it is a little obscure, and some of it's not. Such as, all right. So if we go like pop route, like pop music route, like Green Day. Yeah. And I know if you ever talk to Green Day, they'd be like, "We were in a punk." Yeah, it's like eh, you were. You, you are popular, therefore you are pop. And there was so, I mean, that whole SoCal sounding like London thing. Yeah. Singing like he's from London. It's like, well, at right. least he did it way better than Madonna did. So, yeah, well. <laughs> Anywho. That's its own, yeah, yeah, that's its own discussion, but. And then as I got older and I got into music, more, more, I would say more like a uh, sound engineer or a producer, even though I'm not a producer. As I got more into that side of music, like breaking down music. I started to get into like the indie music of like the 1980s. Yeah. And I think that that, wow. Like I remember being like 15 years old and me and my friends in high school being like bros, like bro, like the 80s suck. There was only U2 and Metallica. And it's like, well, as, and then when I got in my twenties, it was like, wow, I was did I, did I, what, that's an understatement of under, I actually, as an adult, I look back at the 1980s as the last decade of music across the board. That just hit home run after home run after home run. It doesn't matter if it was popular music, top 40 music, if it was college radio music, indie music, metal, hip hop, you name it. Yeah. It was just home run after home run. But the funniest thing about it, though, is what? So what do you think caused it to become so fucking just bleh? No, not even that. What made people, because in the 90s, all of us made fun of 80s music. So my question I is... I think that's a normal thing, though. I think it's normal to like make fun of the musically speaking and uh, pop culturally and fashion-wise, the last generation. But then two generations or three generations later, they're just like, let's dress like them. Let's sound like them. I know, let's but the same thing like happened them. in the early 90s, too, when people started dressing like the 60s. Like, yeah. like I mean, it's so to me, it's all cyclical. Circular. Circular. Yeah. Circular. It, it just, I mean, it, and... And now you're hearing it with some of the music, too. You're hearing that early 90s kind of vibe to some of the music. Yeah. And it's like, I mean, it, it's so, it, it, it just happens. 
All right. So, so I think that my, I mean, my first experience with punk was the same, the same way. I know it was music, but I think for me, it might've like literally, I, I think that somehow, and I don't know how, but I was fairly exposed to the Sex Pistols kind of young. And people can say whatever they want, like the, the Sex Pistols. Never just, mind the bollocks. Bro, it, it, it's anti-music. They even knew that. They're like, oh, we have no talent. So, so you know, for me, and I think punk coming up, you know, we grew up in the 80s and 90s. It was an aesthetic coming up. You definitely mm. saw it. But I think if you were raised in somewhat conservative America, like a lot of us were, you, your parents would kind of be like, oh, look at that freak. Yeah, because people would focus on, you just said the aesthetic. People would focus on the image. Yeah. They focus on the mohawk. They'd focus on the Doc Martens. They'd focus on the leather chained jacket. Yeah. No, and it's interesting yeah. because like that shit has affected and influenced my style for sure. Like, I, you know, I've had, I think I've had a mohawk for about 10 years. Um, but it's just one of those things where for me, what made me want to do it was one, mostly being out of hair and also two, though, being like that to me from childhood was so fucking iconic and iconically badass. Mm -hmm. You see a motherfucker, especially like a British mod and a fucking mohawk. And you're like, okay, that dude looks cool as shit. Mm -hmm. So it was just like, and it's an interesting way for me to present because I'm very friendly, very approachable, but it's an interesting way for me to kind of check society into the, into the boards. Cause like, Challenge to yeah. challenge to challenge those. I'll fucking those pull over and help you change a tire. Don't mm. think this mohawk means anything. But um, but I think punk was different when we were younger too. Because like you know, talk a little bit about the subversion of punk and someone like Elvis Costello, for example. Yeah, that's the other thing I wanted to bring up is that there's so many examples, especially in the 70s and the early 80s, where it's it's what people have as that image. I honestly think that. There is a, there to this day, even some are my friends, their image of what punk was is the Ramones and that is it. Yeah. And, and to that, I say it's part of punk from a music standpoint. And for right now, everyone, I'm just talking about music. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but you know who else was punk and doesn't get enough credit for having that punkness. And this is a mainstream band, Blondie. Oh, Blonde, Blondie was extreme beyond beyond punk. And then, like, yep. what about fucking the first band to kind of be like, "Hey, hip hop's a thing, guys." Yeah, listen to this. I'm even going to name drop one of the best New York DJs right now in this song because she was in the scene. Mm -hmm. Like, as much as that Fat Five Freddy is hitting the scene is like a little cringy now, which it is. She was like, "Yo, check this shit out." Hell, even. Even NWA, like, rolling down the street in my six foot. Oh, you know what's funny, man? I heard a really... And this isn't an aside, but it works really well, and I'm glad I just remembered it. So, the Go-Go's. Do you know anything about what the Go-Go's were really like? Yeah. Horrible women. Yeah. Um, I, I, I Beyond that, I thought you were actually talking about their early music before they... Which was punk. Yeah. 100% punk. It was, like, raw punk. Yeah. Like, like talking... I'm talking when they they were they were touring with Madness over in the UK. But Does it, anyone know about Matt Metal? Our house in the middle, and they were they were a skinhead like ska, ska band, punk, punk band. Yeah, like we're like pull like Doc Martens and fucking folded up jeans. But okay, so here's the thing: who are we talking about again? I'm sorry, you keep cutting me off. We I'm went stupid. from Blondie to we went to the Go Go's. You said Go Go's. You okay, the Go -Go's? so yeah. so they were talking to somebody, and um, I can't fully remember who it was, but it wasn't. It was a really really like prolific. 70s 80s new york band and they were like they were like you know what you know what you didn't want to have to do more than anything as a musician in the 80s 
was open for the Go-Go's or do a bill with the Go-Go's. And the reason was that is they'd put fucking heroin in your drink. They'd literally, before your show, cut your fucking cords to your amplifiers so that you couldn't use them and you'd have to fucking ask to use their equipment. They would blow out woofers. They would fucking have sex with dudes and film it and cock shame them. It was crazy because the reason he said it, he's like, you know, everybody looks at 70s and 80s bands a certain way. Mm -hmm. And he's like, you know, Ozzy was fine. He wouldn't fuck with you. He was a mess, but he wouldn't fuck with you. These girls would actively try to ruin your career. And I'm just like, wow. Ruin your career or ruin your day or ruin your your life. life. Yeah, for real, you know. Um, But I think that that's also incredibly badass. That people have been asked who the most terrifying band they toured with. These five beautiful sort of demure women and people. They talk about them the way characters in Lord of the Rings would talk about fucking that big fire motherfucker. But um, but yeah, they you know they spoke of the band with reverence, and I think that that's really interesting because one of the most punk bands in the world was the Go Go's. They were yep. fucked up. They were all addicted to heroin, and they just didn't give a fuck. No, no, they didn't. No. Now, I'm, I'm going to stick with the theme of musicians, mm-hmm. but now I'm going to come at that punk ethos from a different point of view. Because the 1980s was a great decade where we saw this thing, and, and this I've referenced this in, a, in an episode from season one. Yeah. 
they true indie bands some some who would be considered punk or all of them had the punk ethos but true indie bands started their own labels yeah and you know why they started their own labels because no one would because major them. labels could give a flying fuck about their music so mm-hmm. we're gonna start our own and then on top of that do you know how we're gonna get our word out there we're gonna create our own fanzines and we're gonna put those out there yeah and we're gonna we're gonna bootleg our own recordings and pass the cassettes around to everybody and word of mouth like that's we're the, the epitome of a grassroots movement yeah where nothing was off the table you're talking about dudes driving around with 500 tapes in their trunks and their literally, literally driving around in the shittiest van possible with your equipment, no seats in the van, and there's like five of your of the band going members. to parking lots to just sell them. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, and and literally like just connecting, networking with people all over the country, other bands, and literally just crashing on a couch because that's that's it. One of my favorite things about that came out of it because it relates to fashion mm-hmm. was how independent artists would go shop at thrift stores thrift thrift stores I'm sorry and they would bu- they would just they would buy these clothes that didn't fit correctly they would buy cardigan sweaters because it was fucking cold out in the winter time yeah. and it didn't fit correctly and it's all they could afford and in the in the early to mid 90s that be- that became the grunge fashion yeah we stole the look yeah, but there was a way of life it was it was a necessity oh yeah see i mean seattle bro rainy fucking freezing mm-hmm. most of the time yeah it's interesting and i know people might be like oh you're jumping to fucking grunge and that like first of all it was a super punk movement believe it or not mm-hmm. bands the sonic youth that inspired nirvana these were punk bands nirvana was a fucking two chord punk band who played all punk covers bro yep and you know they made their own music and discovered a sound but they were i mean you look at a band like alice in chains they were a fucking glam band mm-hmm. and then something happened between facelift and dirt and I'm sorry, you want to talk, this is going off, unfortunately, on a little side tangent, but oh my God, you want to talk about one of the greatest growths from first album to second album in the history of music. Facelift is a really good, glam, sometimes hard metal album. Dirt is a fucking opus of pain and a, oh, that's what it was. Does, does, man, does man in the Box reflect the rest of Facelift? Yeah. Okay, all right. But I, I, but not 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 as accurately as one would think. All right. So if yeah. you're not familiar with Facelift, there are a couple songs on there that you can definitely tell were the offshoots of LA Metal. Definitely. Yep. You're like, okay, I, I see what this is. But there's a couple like Love Hate Love. They have a couple that are just you can see the foundation of where they were gonna go. But that was like what happened with Allison Chains between the first and second album was like what they accused Robert Johnson of selling his soul. Mm. Like between two albums, they got a completely different sound. But I, we, I am going a little too far down the timeline. I'm sorry. I just get I get triggered by music stuff. I love. No, it's fine. It's fine because it can tie us into so many different things. But like another area where indie bands of all kinds, the only radio play they got was local or college. Yeah, college yep. radio. That's why a band like The Replacements wrote a song, Left of the Dial. That was about like, it was kind of like their shout out song, kudos to college radio. The only one who would play any, it doesn't matter if it was hip hop, metal or punk. That's where your music could get out there. That or Dr. Demento. But. And me and fucking Bob, like technically got the start for this show on a college radio We did. Show. We did. Where you been? Yeah, man. Yep. Beautiful stuff. But you know, what's funny about college radio is like, you know, what's more punk than a band like R.E.M.? fucking distributing their own music, finding life at college radio, and then becoming an iconic band from a band that literally pulled itself up by its fucking 
Because I consider in Athens, Georgia, in Athens, Georgia, and if the you least likely place you think like a band of that mo- that caliber, especially indie or mainstream, would come from. And it's really interesting, like because if you, again, I'm sorry, but I just want to say if you listen to early REM, if you listen to early Nirvana, if you even fucking Chili Peppers, which is a crazy example, a lot of that stuff was very much punk and influenced by punk. You know, mm-hmm. bands like Faith No More, we've been t- we talked about recently, like. Yeah. Hugely influenced, but also it's the idea, guys. It, it's the idea, idea. Why do I put an R in that word? It's the idea of punk sort of as lifestyle. You know what I mean? And what happened, unfortunately, in the latter 70s and 80s was, again, just like they did with the Seattle scene, was the bastardization and commercialization. Yeah, it happens to everything. No. And, and in my opinion, it'll happen I mean, to varying degrees. It happens on podcasts across the medium, Yeah, but it's not as widespread yet. And that's what I enjoy about what we're doing now is that we, there's a freedom that comes to it. It's a freedom that's similar to music or or a or a style. We have that freedom to just explore and figure ourselves out. Yeah. Figure it out. But we also have that freedom to distribute it to an audience if they choose to find it or not. And they do get a say. You guys do get a say in it because you're you're the audience. So this is our indie record. Yeah. Yeah. yeah this yeah. is our punk record. Ultimately, what I've realized as a middle-aged white man is that instead of being like a, in a rock band and being a part of that next wave of of uh, something, it's just the I'm still doing that what I wanted to do. I'm just doing it in a different way. Yeah. 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 Well said. Um, I think we did skip over Elvis Costello. Just the idea that punk isn't necessarily music it isn't necessarily this it isn't necessarily that because like there was an incident if anybody knows anything about elvis costello you wouldn't look at him and think punk do you know who i think is the first punk band oh, wait don't do that okay. because you've done All it a million right. times and i keep drowning and things. unfortunately when i forget i will do it again <laughs> yeah i know it's okay but um so he was basically like a mod british guy who made you know it's hard to describe his music because you can sometimes hear reggae influence you can hear different influence but you could kind of call it pop music upon first listen though it's not but he's a great example of a dude who like you'd look at him and think that again you'd think that you're looking at a pop star but he was incredibly progressive and wrote some really interesting and brave songs and then you know tell them about the snl incident which i think is one of the most punk things i've ever seen yeah he literally stopped after the intro to a song he just literally, like, he stopped every individual musician and then just, like, stood in front of a camera and just was like, wait, whoa, 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 we're not going to play this song. And then just went on, like, a tangent. Yeah, well, it was because they were told, so they went out. Oh, this this is a, a, a bigger version of that story. So they were told they couldn't do Radio Radio, a very specific song. There's reasons for it. Um, mild today, no one would care, but so they tell him he can't do Radio Radio. And so goes out on SNL and they start playing the song that they wanted them to play. And then once they know they're like 20 seconds in and the camera's just going to stay on him, he does. He's like, whoa, 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 whoa. That's not the song I'm going to play. Then they play Radio Radio in full. And it was interesting because there weren't a lot of people surprisingly banned from SNL. Andrew Dice Clay, I believe Martin Short. Um, he deserved it. Though. Which Martin one? Short. Oh, yeah, his tangent about Stinky Pussy was a little rough for the time. Mm -hmm. But yeah, Elvis Costello got banned for playing a song he wasn't supposed to. And I mean, that that circles back to the idea of punk is anti-authority, you know? But he's not a guy anyone would look at and suspect. And I still think you have it. I think, look at a guy like Donald Glover right now, bro. Dude's kind of punk, man. He's fucking making brilliant He First off, he's got Childish Gambino as his alter ego. 
which as child childish gambino take your pick so many awesome songs oh just 3005 which was like his first single Redbone. Redbone. I love Redbone. This, you know, this is, is America. America. Yeah. I think Bonfire is also a fucking banger. Mm, yes. Yep. Um, but anyway, I think that he's very punk. He creates a lot of his own stuff. Kind of like says, I'm going to do this this way or I'm not going to do he's it. He's also it's Atlanta. Yeah. Yeah. So he's like any, he, he stars, he writes, directs. And directs it. Yeah. I mean, you for know, the most part. Yeah. It's remarkable stuff. Yeah. But, so I think there are people who still it's, have. It's, it's obscure now. But you have, but it's out. Punk, the punk attitude is out there. And here's the thing, too. Like you know, I always shout out Kid Cudi, one of my favorite musicians. But motherfuckers got so many punk, like literal punk songs, literal punk songs. I would, I would say the um, "Beating Bullet to Heaven" album is half punk rock. Full, I'm talking all like guitars, yep. drums. So it's still out there, and it's it's a mindset. And I think for us, we're just kind of realizing, or we were talking in the car about how the freedom of this platform specifically is very different than what you get in any other. Now, one one term that has been bastardized, and you've already said it, you didn't say it in a term, in a way that was bastardizing it, but one thing that came, that came out of punk movement and punk ethos from the mainstream was the anarchy angle. Yeah. Because what, an, what they meant by anarchy is these people are lawless heathens. And that's not what even anarchy is about. Anarchy is just about free. You're free. Yeah. And it, you know what? It, it's essentially like, no, I had a joke. I used to, I used to make that joke. Cause I'd be at a lot of, um, club shows in Providence and Boston in the nineties with hardcore and they'd be punk acts. And if I ever saw an anarchy tattoo or an anarchy shirt, I was such a fucking idiot, but I would like walk up to people and I'd be like, oh, um, are you here with somebody? You know what I mean? They'd be like, oh yeah, I'm here with that girl over there. I'm like, all right, well, I'm taking her home. Like the fuck you say? I'm like, I'm taking her home. Fuck you, anarchy, bro. What a dumb, what a dumbass I was. Because I thought I was being edgy to their edgy, but we were both just being lame, lame lords. Yeah, I mean, today one of one of my favorite groups that I follow on Facebook is a group of anarchists called Living in Modern Times, which get, they get their name from the Charlie Chaplin movie Modern, Modern Times. Times yeah. yeah, and they're great people because literally all they want they're just like, listen, we just want to exist with people. We want to exist in a, in a world where. There are no rules and we have these people who we have mutually shared free, like we are free to have interactions with them. There's no money because it's like I can exchange, I can do a service for you and you do the service for me and and, and things, yeah, things like that. And ultimately, like literally utopian, like free. And that's to me is the complete opposite of like how anarchist or anarchism was sold, the punk movement, or even, even when I was a child, like, oh my goodness, they're going to beat you with chains and they're gonna like burn yeah, you i don't think sink. any anarchist has ever been a true anarchist in no that sense no, no you're just saying i'm probably a yeah. little less tightwad than you yeah or or you're just like trying to look at or it's trying to be edgy and you don't know how to be edgy, edgy yeah. i guess ultimately oh well, that's yeah. fair though but um so yeah back to my back to that point i was gonna make about who i think the first like when i think of the first well and i'll stick with rock but i think of like the first punk band in my opinion, The Who. I think The Who is the epitome of that. They started as a mod band. And they really got to a point. One of my favorite, it's not one of my favorite album by them, but it's my favorite album title by them, is The Who Sellout. Yeah, where they just literally, when they were just, and they're just poking fun at like commercialism. And this is back in the 60s. And they're poking fun at even themselves. Self-satire. Yeah. And then they then they got into rock operas. Who, who the hell? It didn't even exist before Tommy. 
Like that did not exist before Tommy. Even the album title. Do you know the you know the the album title for Who's Next? It's all of them uh, standing out in like a stony field. Yeah, yeah, with a big single building. Yeah, with a yeah. It's a uh, looks very monolith ish, yeah. and they're all pissing on it. They're all taking turns pissing on it. So like one is facing it, like he's pissing on it. One's like literally zipping his pants up after urinating on it, and uh, Roger Daltrey is like proudly just standing there because he probably was the first one to piss on it. Yeah. And that was supposedly like an FU to Stanley Kubrick because they were going to do like a mixture movie with that um, album, that failed album Lifehouse. Oh. And so that was like kind of like them being like FU to to Stanley Kubrick. Yeah, no, I mean. Like they piss on the monolith because it was right around 2001 A Space Odyssey. Yeah. So it's like them pissing on iconic something imagery. that is related to him and they're like, who's next? And I think that a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of those 70s bands really kind of did have that energy because they were forging a new sort of uh, landscape. There is, and there is one thing I want to give credit to about every everybody, whether it's music or art or just where the people who really took their version of punk to like a big level or it led to it in, it influenced somebody and took it to a big level. Yeah. What I love that I don't think exists on such a, a large level like it did in the mid 20th century is the hunger, the hunger that people had. Like when we talk about the British invasion, we're talking about music and style and all that. But why was it so good? Think about they were so fucking because they were the children. Real. Some some people, some of them were literally the children of dead soldiers from World War II. They were all in the UK. They all were bombed by the Germans. Like mm -hmm. they lived this life that let's face it, a lot of us live cushy lives compared to what they went through. Yeah. Like there there is a there's a level of realism to their lives that influenced everything they did. Everything they did that does not exist on a large scale. Artists like artists today that are big. They probably came from middle class families. Oh, yeah. And they were probably nurtured and they, they just were born at the right time to take advantage of the internet and technology and social media. Yeah. And, and also, like, you know, some of those people we can't forget are synthesized. They find a cute kid or something and they're like, oh, we can make this person mm -hmm. music and they can make us money. And that's one of the things I worry about now because there's, there's this thing I keep reading and it kind of makes me happy and sad at the same time. And it says, can we please allow ugly people to make music again? That's a good point. That is a very good because point. Ugly people make better music. Made the best fucking music, bro. You know, Janis Joplin. Like, there's just there's so many examples. I'm not gonna sit here and shame people. I know. The one but... I the one I think of is I just know he. It's like adult top forty. The you know do 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 do. do, do. I think oh, it was for like Dudley. Yeah. Against the moon and yep. yeah. His name was Christopher Cross. Yeah. And and you know what? Sailing. Yeah. That's a good song, Sailing too. Away. But you know what? He was not a very attractive guy. So you know what? He didn't go anywhere because MTV was exploding at that time. And uh, who was it? The Boggles? Yeah. Who wrote Video Killed the Radio Star? Yeah, Boggles. The Boggles, yeah. And I mean, you think about other people, too. It's like you think about dudes like the lead singer of the fucking Zombies who was just, you know, just bad skin and shit. And like Mungo Jerry in the summertime. That dude looks like a Muppet. But it doesn't matter because like nobody was upset. At the fact that they looked the way they looked because the music they created was powerful. But if you think motherfuckers who look like, if you think any motherfuckers that look like that right now are getting record deals, you are smoking nope. some shit that I'm jealous of legitimately because no, no. Um, I know that was a random tyrant, but it feels like it leads back to punks. A lot of them punk bands, Ramones, they were ugly as fuck. Sex Pistols all looked like they had smelly cocks. You know what I'm saying? But that was because they did. Yeah, because that was part of the movement, but you wouldn't get that now. Like where once you'd get a punk band 
Now you get like a manufactured boy band. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, I guess we just kind of wanted to talk about punk. But that goes back to what we talked about a few minutes ago about the kind of the bastardization because conglomerates come in and they just try to take monopolize it and take it over. Yeah, I mean, look what happened to grunge. Look for every good grunge band you had. Or, no, or not good grunge band. Yeah, but I'm yeah. saying, no, I'm saying every good one you had 12 that weren't good yeah. that were popping up. I mean, that period produced some really, like, there's just a lot of bands that you could tell, you know, whatever. They might have had a, a decent song or two, but Candlebox, you could tell the bands that were almost manufactured to make the music that they thought people wanted. Yep. So it, it was interesting. And I think that what we saw was an evolution from, like, sort of, um, what do you call it? I think the punk ideal carried itself from you know punk i think in the 90s that carried itself to a lot of um grunge and even hip-hop oh i love i love the the punk ethos in hip-hop it'd be just the freedom the free the freedom that existed in it as an art form yeah so what name a couple like punk hip-hop groups or rap groups or acts I know you were going to bring up Tribe. Yeah. I, I specifically just want to talk about the song Scenario yeah. because of bu- that we all got the birth our, of Buster the Rhymes. The birth of Buster Rhymes. And if we listen back to it, I mean, is the rap, is it consistent all the way through? Like his, he owns that track. Yeah. He owns Scenario. But is it consistent all the way through? No. But is it, when it hits, does it hit? Oh, yeah. I would say it's, uh, yeah. like, I'm a huge fan, so I would say it's pretty consistent. But I, the- I would say this about it. His flow is unmatched on that song. Yeah, nobody had heard anything yeah, like that, really. But, like, his, the first lines he utters. Yeah. Watch as I combine all the dudes from the mind. You know, pick up, back up, um, get rewind. Duh, duh, come on. Let me, you know. you, you're doing, you're, you're being way too white. As I combine all the juice from the mind. Heal up, wheel up, bring it back home, rewind. Powerful impact, boom, boom. from the cannon. Yeah, man, don't yeah. even. So, but yeah. you're right. Like, but look at how you even I just lit up singing that. You yeah, know? yeah. You had bands like Onyx. That's <sighs> like, whoa, these motherfuckers are kind of hard, and there was a punk mm-hmm. vibe to them. Like, yep. not giving any fucks. Um, Didn't they? Uh, they recorded multiple versions of Slam. They recorded one with Biohazard. Yeah, they did. Yeah, who was a hardcore band? Hardcore no. band from New York. But I'm sure, so I'm pretty good. sure Onyx was from New York too. Yeah, they were, they were, yeah. Yeah, and then you you had the two, you had basically the two coasts in the 90s, East Coast, West Coast, and they were very distinct styles of hip hop. You know, you had, uh, even because it emerged in the 80s and it was still, it was changing, but it was still there from New York was Native Tongue. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you had that. And then you just had West Coast. West Coast was Dr. Dre, you know, embracing, uh, sampling parliament, sampling hip hop. Yeah, huge. Sampling, uh, just turning turning segments of songs that already existed and turning it into a beat and just making it its own. Rebirthing it. Yeah. And you know what? I know it's white guy, white guys in hip hop, but Beastie Boys, Paul's Boutique. It's one of the best records it's of all time. For sample, un- it's one of the best. Unmatched sampling record. Yeah. Yeah. It was a huge growth for the band too, which was cool. But I mean, I think that what we're basically saying is like, it's, it's fringe stuff. It's people who make what they want to make without compromising. And I think initially, I think that's very punk. Yeah. And I think just the so wait, so let's let's apply it right now though, because I was thinking about this while we're talking about it. Who's fucking punk right now? We wouldn't know anyway, right? Because we're just we're not in the demo of of being being sold stuff right now because we're old and not interesting. I mean, we already mentioned Donald Glover. We I mean he's yeah. he's probably the epitome on a wide scale that yeah. I can think of. Yeah. Up until 
he got so huge, I would say up until they got so huge, I would say Key and Peele from a comedic standpoint. Yeah, I agree. Even, I agree. even though it was it was a natural progression from Dave Chappelle, Chappelle's Which show. Which was a natural progression yeah. from Living Color. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the, oh, the freedom. The free and now we're to, we've now we've moved Fox. See, see Fox we, was punk rock, and we did an episode about that. We, we talked about we talked about how revolutionary Fox was as a network, and then we just gave an example of how even the 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 shows they took chances on that were that are phenomenal historic shows have those had punk ethos. Yeah, we like, didn't have dysfunctional families. Like before. the battles, the battles that the Waynes would go on with the executives yeah. for their artistic freedom is just it's something that did not exist on SNL. No, no, it, it didn't. Nope. It didn't, you know? Um, and so, yeah, it's, it, it's, and even, you know, talking about Keen Peel, even the way Peel's making horror right now is very punk rock. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, he's got three flicks and they're all, you can say what you want, but they're all incredibly watchable. But I think that his approach, I mean, just the way he addressed race and get out was punk as fuck. Mm -hmm. That was like, here, I'm making a piece of pie for all you white people to eat. Like yep. I'm making it for my people too, but I want you to see how much you oh, you oh, scare us. Oh, you're right. You're right, white people. You're right. You, yeah, you're, as collectively, you're not as racist as you were, but now now you're just nicer trying to steal our culture. Well, yeah, and it's yeah. it's you know now you don't call us the N word, but the microaggressions are everywhere and oh, yeah. constant. You know, and I think that's what it is. I think it comes down to a, a person, an individual who's like. What I need to tell or do here is more powerful than what people want me to do. I'm not going to do this the way people expect. I mean, if she wasn't even a huge pop star who was probably an industry plant, Billie Eilish, when she first appeared, was a little punk rock, doing some dark shit. I think she's an industry plant. I don't think your first music video can cost $3 million <laughs> unless you have backing, and hers did. So, um, But regardless, I think her kind of shunning of beauty and sort of changing the dialogue is kind of interesting you know but yeah pirates pirates are punk as fuck just pirates like jack sparrow oh i th I, I was gonna say are you talking like somalian pirates <laughs> yeah well no they're okay. terrible people but it is kind yeah. of punk to try to steal boats and shit i would say that tying it back into like podcasting for example yeah what i would say is for like us you know, pie in the sky, like the best case scenario where this could go is that we could monetize, we could monetize it because we have that kind of following and listener. But my concern would be, yeah, that the machine would try to, it depends it would, on, it would try to absorb us, but then in doing that, it would change us and we would no longer be like what, what we were that got us to that point. Yeah, and so I, I would back. I would. I would politely decline. Be like, yeah, no thanks, but no thanks. That I need some money, so let me not decline for the both of us. But um, no, I agree, and and it's just. I guess it's just a matter of holding on to the idea that do your shit, man. Do your shit, regardless of what it may be. Take your chance on yourself. Mm -hmm. and do your fucking shit. And for me, it's about uh, remaining as consistently close to my authentic self as possible. When, no matter what I do, whether it's a podcast or whether it's in my work. Yeah, I'm drawing or, a fucking picture. I want it to be yeah, authentic to me. I just want to be authentic because I'm I'm big on on people who are their authentic self. I really have a disdain for people who are trying to sell me. They're, they're portraying like a personality trait yeah. in a way where they're trying to sell me something, like trying to sell themselves. Like you shouldn't have to try to sell yourself. You should just organically. Yeah, it should work or it doesn't. Yeah, exactly. If it ain't working, take the price tag off. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> or another, keeping it to another, another movie reference here. One of my favorite movies, No Country for Old Men, mm -hmm. the gas station scene, but not, a, but not the line that you think of the line where, uh, 
he's grilling him about, oh, you've, you know, you, you, uh, you married into it. And he says like, oh, if that's the way you want to put it. And he goes, well, I don't have a way to put it. That's the way that's it is. The way it yeah. is yeah. And then that's, that's kind of how I go through, go through just my everyday life. Like I just try to be like, no, it's either like, it's very black or white. You know, you're not bullshitting me. You're not selling me something. You, you know, you want to sell me yourself, you like who you are in a positive way. Then just be as sincere and genuinely you as you possibly can. I also think that's punk. Yeah. And I mean, anytime you can read, th- I, I'm always convinced you can read through a facade. Yes. So yeah, the bullshit meter. Yeah, but also, you know, in hindsight, for people who maybe are just tuned in right now, two old guys insisting they're still punk—that's the highlight of the episode. Yeah, but I think that's also the epitome of like, oh, that is such a punk rock. That's a, such a punk move. Yeah, I can't, I can't, I can't yeah. decide if we're right on point or a little cringe, but I don't care. Yeah, yeah, and that's the whole point again. Why I said it's punk is because we're free. Yeah, I'm not. I mean, thankfully, we don't have an advertiser cursing us for talking about nipples. Yeah, or you were supposed to plug this, and it's like, okay, well, you know, you know, yeah, blah, blah, blah. Well, where I come from, plug means shoving something up your ass, so how do you know I didn't plug it? I don't know. There you go. I guess we'll just have to leave that as a cliffhanger for the end of this episode. (laughs) We should. All right. So uh, this is episode number 26. Of halfway season there, two. Halfway there, halfway to 50. Of, no, of season two. Oh, shit. We're almost there. So I think overall, this is like episode 44. Wow. Yeah, we got to so go big we, for 50. Yeah, we have to go big. So on the next episode, I do believe we have another guest, uh, someone I have talked to. I think we're going to take this uh, going to take this setup on the road. We'll go to their house and we will uh, interview them and we will uh, debut that. That'll probably be closer to February, March-ish, late February. Oh. Yeah, but anyway, we're real time. We're doing that next week. So I mean, until the next time, I mean that'll be episode twenty seven. Nice for season two. We're getting oh so close to that magical number thirty that I was talking about. We're gonna have to do something big for like not just the final episode, but we're gonna have to do something big for like like you said that that fiftieth episode. Yeah, we'll take us something dope. Yeah, we will, and then we'll share that idea with you all guys on the socials. Yeah. So hey, thanks for listening. Stay safe. Keep your head in the clouds and your dick out the mud. And on that note, take care, everybody. And breasts. We're not, like, gender-specific. Although any gender can have breasts. Honestly, at this point... <laughs> well, I mean, we both have breasts, so... <laughs> yeah. I mean, there, that's how you end the episode. Yeah. Chris Flynn, welcome to the Odyssey. Thanks, Bob. We deal with a lot of foreign currencies, so like the government of Egypt, Pakistan, Australia, Ireland, Gambia. There's a lot of governments that borrow money regularly. What's the largest like, single transaction that you've ever dealt with, if you're allowed to just give a number? It's all just figures on a ledger. Was it over? I mean, imagine a little bit overwhelming. Incredibly overwhelming. Yeah. We don't teach this to people. The average person isn't taught what a FICO score is, you know, what a fair Isaac income model is. When you borrow money, the, the objective 
should be is to do it as inexpensively as you possibly can. If you think about it, what has happened during our lifetimes? Everything. Yeah. <laughs> and I have to say, man, I got to give you some props because we're actually doing this in your house right now. And it's it's amazing how many fixtures in your house are solid gold. <laughs> <laughs> like, wow, I've never seen that outside of like Borat. Find the XOP on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, our Facebook page, or YouTube. Mm-hmm.